0: Columbia, roll on. Roll on,
1: Columbia, roll on. Your power is turning our darkness to dawn. So roll on, Columbia, roll on. Hello and welcome to Capital Ideas. This is where we sit down with members of the Washington State House of Representatives to give listeners an inside look at important aspects of how their citizen legislature works and who and what it's working for. We're speaking today with State Representative Zach Hudgens. Zach represents Washington's 11th Legislative District, and he is the floor leader for the Washington State Majority House Democrats.
0: Welcome, Zach. It's good to have you here. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Many legislators are saying that the 2010 session was the most difficult they've ever dealt with. Is this an opinion you, you share?
0: Yeah, the 2010 session that we just got out of was a difficult session for a number of reasons, starting with the economic crisis that the country's facing. We really feel the pinch here in Washington State, and that means that we've got a lot of folks that are worried about the future, and we've got reduced funding and reduced tax revenue coming into the state. We've got increased need for services.
1: You're on the General Government Appropriations Committee. This is a a pretty vital committee in terms of writing a budget for state government operations. Could you talk a little bit more about the difficulties that you had to deal with, and also, how does it look for 2011-12?
0: Well, a lot of folks really feel that uh, we could balance the budget by just cutting waste and fraud out of the state budget. The General Government Appropriations Committee uh, is the subcommittee of appropriations that really goes after that. Uh, We talked to over uh, 70 agencies at the state. Those that have funding straight from the general fund and those that have a revolving fund that uh, they're called central service agencies. So they take money from other agencies to do what they do. So Department of Personnel, for example, writes all the paychecks for the state and other agencies pay the Department of Personnel to do that. The attorney general's office and the state printer and there's a number of other offices as well. The auditor are paid by other agencies, So we're looking at all these agencies to figure out how we can do things better, more efficiently. How can we get a bigger and better bang for the tax dollar? Uh, And we found some of those ways, not just through cuts, which we did a lot of. At the end, we've cut over 1,500 state employee jobs in this last budget that we did. And we found new ways and more efficient ways of doing things. For example, uh, one of my ideas was to save millions of dollars at the state printer by implementing print management, figuring out how many pages we're printing in the state agencies and trying to figure out how to do it better, quicker, cheaper.
1: The cuts that you referred to were were really pretty massive. Just during the last year of the legislature, the cuts were in the billions. You also raised revenue to the tune of of somewhat less than a billion dollars in new taxes, many of which are temporary. I believe that it worked out to around 18 or 19 cents of new revenue for every dollar of state spending that was actually cut. Could you talk a little bit about that revenue package?
0: The state was in a real tough pinch, and it's not just the economic downturn. Uh, We depend uh, on state tax revenue for about 10% of all the state tax revenue that comes in comes from construction. Uh, We know the housing collapse uh, caused our construction industry in Washington State to really hurt. Um, And so that's just one piece. Uh, When times get tough, people take their kids out of private schools. They put them into public schools. Uh, So in a time when we had really serious implications from a nationwide housing crisis and economic meltdown, we can't exaggerate too much that this was the worst economic crisis we faced since the Great Depression. We had an increased need for services. And so this is what we were looking at. Now, we cut, we basically had to rewrite the state budget. Uh, With this idea that we had more uh, need, that we can't let prisoners out, that we got to keep the schools open. And we cut about $4 out of the budget for every dollar we raised. I believe it was $4.40. And then we focused those taxes that we increased on very specific things. I'll give you an example. It's $0.02 per can of soda pop. Uh, we looked at things that were discretionary, things that people could choose whether they wanted them or not, that weren't necessary for life. 26 cents, I think, per six-pack of beer, bottled water, uh, candy, those kinds of things that people can really do without. Now, at the same time, we focused those new taxes uh, on keeping jobs in Washington State. So we gave exemptions to bottlers. We gave b you and know, credits for creating jobs in the candy manufacturers. So Seattle Chocolates is made in my district In Tukwila, interestingly enough. We tried to protect those jobs, Uh, the same with the Alma Roca folks in Tacoma and Apples in college. We're trying to protect jobs by giving B&O credits, and we tried to give very small increases to discretionary things in order to protect these very vital, very important services that the state provides on college tuition, on state need grants, on early learning programs, on adult day centers. All sorts of things that help people go to work or provide for their kids or create opportunity for the future.
1: In addition to being a legislator, one of one of 98 members of the
0: State House of Representatives, you're also
1: the floor leader of the majority caucus, the Democratic caucus here in Olympia. Could you talk a little bit about how you went about that job during one of the most contentious sessions in recent history? Part of your job is to lead floor action and help orchestrate floor action There were a lot of arguments and some very heated debates on the floor this year.
0: Well, our whole process is set up to argue and to debate. I mean, that's what we're here for, is to vent issues, to vet the process, to vet the bills, uh, to really uh, sometimes have it out, uh, making sure that everybody knows that their voice is being heard in the public sphere. I remind folks that everything we do is public. People can either tune in on TVW, they can tune in on the internet and listen to us, watch from the galleries. You know, we're open throughout the entire process to what we're doing. Now, that means that people still have very strong feelings and can get very passionate about these things. And it is true that we have to keep our agenda moving. And so my job as floor leader is to make sure that we're prepared on the issues to help set up which bills are coming up for debate and making sure that our side of the debate is strong and clear so voters understand why we're doing what we wanna do.
1: It's been several weeks now since the final adjournment of the special session. You've been back in your district for that time. What are you hearing from your constituents?
0: Well, I can say that things are really mixed back home. Uh, People are upset at the economic crisis, but they're happy that some of the services were preserved. They're not happy about the size of the cuts, but they understand the need for those cuts. They're worried about the future and about how they're going to make their mortgage payment and about the future of jobs in the state. And then they're happy that we passed a transportation budget that's going to create 14,000 jobs. What I think is very clear back home is that there's not one set of ideas or one thing that everybody is thinking. People are concerned about the economy. They're concerned about the future, uh, the opportunities that their kids are going to have. And they're very interested in the details of what we did down in Olympia. As the floor leader, a
1: lot of your time is taken up with caucus-wide and legislative-wide duties, but obviously you still represent every single person in the 11th district. What kind of issues and solutions are you working for during the interim here for the coming session that will affect not only people throughout the state, but specifically people in your district?
0: As floor leader, I'm elected by my entire caucus to work with the leadership team, to be part of leadership, to set the agenda for the caucus, and then make sure the floor debate runs well. Uh, But that doesn't mean that I forget the 11th District. And I got together this year with Bob Hasegawa, and we fought off a budget cut that was going to be about a million dollars that would have removed not just the uh, certification on the security folks uh, that are at the secure sex predator facility in our district, but it would have removed the staffing levels from statute. I can tell you that people back home want to make sure their kids are safe. And that bill came up twice, and it's one of those great Mr. Smith comes to Washington sort of moments that Bob Hasaga and I twice were able to fight that off of the floor, and the bill was set aside, which I'm the floor leader, I can tell you that doesn't happen very often. In the end, we were able to preserve funding in the budget to make sure that those really, I mean, these are folks being kept in a civil commitment facility because they're likely to reoffend. These are not folks that we want around our kids. These are not folks we want in our neighborhoods. There are only two of these facilities in the entire state, and one of them is in the 11th District. The other one's on McNeil Island, so uh, they don't have as many kids running around there. Uh, So Bob and I really fought hard to protect that funding, even in a bad budget year, and to protect our kids and the families back home, because we know folks in South Park and Georgetown and Beacon Hill and West Seattle are very concerned about that. Uh, I'm sure that the uh, issue will come up again next year, and we'll see if Bob and I can kind of keep fighting on it. So uh, there's a very specific thing that we did this year and then I helped lead on. Bob and I worked as a great team and really educated folks about the importance of this to our district. You know, one thing that I've uh, heard a lot about back home is uh, about foreclosures. And Senator Adam Klein had a bill in the Senate last year that was going to work on how do we deal with foreclosures and how do we keep people in the homes. And uh, it's been something that I've been thinking about for a while. And so between the regular session and the special session, I actually had another bill drafted that would address foreclosure issues. And so I dropped both of them. And uh, that's something I'll be working on during the interim. Uh, It's an interesting idea. They're called shared appreciation mortgages. And the idea is that uh, in a foreclosure situation, nobody wins. The bank doesn't want to own the house. They want to go be banks. They want to lend money. And if they've got an empty house, then they're stuck with that and they don't want that. They see themselves as losers in a lot of ways. Certainly the people that used to live there and pay that mortgage are seen as losers if they're out of a home. And worst case scenario, they end up literally being homeless, living on the street or out of their car. So this shared appreciation uh, is an interesting idea that they're trying in a few places around the country where you revalue the house, you drop the mortgage down, and then anything that it grows above, the bank gets half of the Uh, appreciation. So it keeps people in their homes. It gives them incentive to stay in their home and keep taking care of the place. It gives banks incentive to stay involved um, and make sure that those folks can pay their mortgage. And so these are some of the ideas that I'm working on during the interim is how do we figure out new ways of looking at this crisis? How do we figure out new win-win solutions to keep people in their homes and keep banks whole um, and protect our communities?
1: Let me clarify one thing for people in the audience that might not be tuned in to legislative jargon quite so much. When legislators talk about dropping a bill, they're talking about introducing a bill, something that they're going to continue to fight for. A lot of people might think that dropping a bill means setting it aside and forgetting about it. So I just want to make sure that people understand you referred to dropping some bills. That doesn't mean you've put them aside. It means that they're on the front burner
0: for you. Thank you. It it comes, I think, from the term we put them into the hopper, and there's a little box, and it's marked hopper, and you drop them into the hopper. They get an official bill number, and then they're in the system. Uh, It gives people something very concrete to start looking at and working off of. Anybody listening to this can go look for those bills online. Uh, They'll be under my name as a prime sponsor, and then you can print them out or email them around or whatever to other people that are interested. We've got a great website that is very accessible, and we've won awards nationally for digital government. Uh, And it's not just your ability to go renew your license tabs at the Department of Licensing website or get a business license. Uh, All of our legislative committee hearings are streamed live. Everything is archived. You can see all of the bills that I've sponsored, I've prime-sponsored. You can see all of our committee agendas. So if anybody can't make it to Olympia and they're interested in watching state government work... You can see the legislature. It's all online, and uh, nothing there's uh, nothing being hidden. You can see all the process. You can see the floor debate. You can see committee hearings and the committee votes and all that stuff right there online.
1: The biggest slice of the state operating budget is K-12 education from very early childhood through high school. This budget was just as prone to suffering as all the rest of the budget items, but I know that the legislature seemed to have gone out of its way to try to protect education spending. We talked about jobs and how important it is to create jobs to work us out of this recession, and education, I think, is seen by most people as key to creating jobs, or at least to creating qualified workers.
0: One of the ways we've been able to maintain our quality of life in Washington State, one of the ways we've been able to attract new businesses and hold on to businesses in Washington State is through education. Boeing wouldn't survive without educated workforce, without good community and technical colleges, without great engineers. There's no reason why Amazon.com would have come to Washington State without so many college-educated people, and that's why we've got Google coming to Washington State, why we're attracting server farms to Washington State. Education is just key to all of this. Our trade, our legacy industries like uh, like forestry and extraction industries are all really geared towards education. And you're absolutely right that we had to cut a lot out of education. I mean, it is about 43% of our state budget is spent on education. And we're also finding that we've got more and more need at the earlier ages the thrive by 5 movement. Kids brains develop so much more quickly than we expected and so we have to teach those kids things before they even get to school that we weren't in the past. We're also working very hard to integrate our community colleges and our four-year institutions as well. We're we're taking on a lot of these reform movements of how do we integrate things into a pre-K to 20 education instead of a K12 and uh, at the same time we're struggling with a lot of the challenges that our Faced right now by every school district in this economic crisis. You've got more kids coming into the schools. We've got less resources to deal with that. In school districts like Tukwila, we've got a high English language learner population from all over the world. These are the kids that are going to help us trade with the world. I mean, these are the kids that are going to be investing in our communities and are going to sell apples and airplanes and software around the globe. We want to do right by these kids. We've got English language learners. We've got refugee kids. Uh, We've got a high turnover rate in a lot of these schools, 30 percent, 40 percent in some of the schools. Uh, We've got high free and reduced lunch problems. So these are all of the sorts of things that we've tackled this year um, when we looked at education.
1: We're about out of time here. Let me ask you if there's anything you'd like to touch on before we close this podcast out for today.
0: Well, we've talked a lot about education and about our desire to create jobs. One of the first bills we passed out of the House was the Jobs Act of 2010. And really simply put, it's going to create jobs in our state by retrofitting our schools uh, through a bond. We're going to sell bonds, and we're going to use that money to create jobs by uh, bringing all of our schools up to LEED standards and green environmental building standards. So folks will get new jobs and kids will have better places to learn. And uh, we've seen this done all over the state in places like Chelan where they integrated into the curriculum, they bring down their maintenance costs and they've created jobs in the meantime. So uh, that's one of those things that we did during this session at the beginning and end uh, with a lot of other uh, important reforms in between those two bills.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. That's today's program. Subscribe to this podcast now and spend a few minutes a week with Capital Ideas. After all, this is your state government, and the more you know about how it works, the better it can work for you. I'm Dan Frizell for the Washington State House Democrats.